unveiling the secrets A-list copywriters use to make themselves and their clients millions. This is the Copywriters Podcast with your host, the world's greatest copywriting coach, David Garfinkel. All right, welcome back to the Copywriters Podcast with your host, the world's greatest copywriting coach, David Garfinkel, and a very special uh, surprise for the listeners today. David, how are you doing today, man? I'm good. I'm, I'm excited about our guest. I am too. And this is only from a couple of minutes of pre-show banter. I'm already stoked for what is going to be laid out in this week's episode. Well, let's banter while we're actually recording for our listeners. Um, we've got a special guest today, Rocky Buckley. Rocky's an entrepreneur, coach, consultant, and creator of a program called Platinum Path, where he helps people reinvent their expertise and shift into a high-priced, lifestyle-friendly business model. And who wouldn't want that except a dedicated masochist? Over the last 20 years, Rocky has helped his clients bring in over $100 million in training and info product. So he's right up our alley, but he's done it at a higher level than a lot of us. He's consulted on over 3,000 projects for clients ranging from billion-dollar brands like Pearson and Wiley and Macmillan. Those are all big New York publishers that get books in bookstores and create personal brands for their authors. He's done from the big companies to experts, authors, entrepreneurs in seven countries and over a hundred different markets. But as a human being, as a man, as a guy, as a dude, he's accessible. You can hang out with him every day for free in his free Facebook group called the power persona project. And we'll drop a link in the uh, show notes. So you have to apply, but, um, if you mention po copywriters podcast, chances are really good. You'll get in now before we hang out with Rocky today here on the show, I'm going to hang 10 myself and tell you along with this friendly wave that copy is powerful. You're responsible for how you use what you hear on this podcast. And most of the time, Common sense is all you need. But if you make extreme claims, and if you're writing copy for offers in highly regulated industries like health and finance and business opportunity, you may want to get a legal review after you write and before you start using your copy. My larger clients do this all the time. So Rocky, welcome and thanks for being here. Hey, my pleasure. Great to be here. Thanks for asking me. Oh, yeah. For sure. So branding, um, man, it's branding's like a hot potato in a way, right? You know, I was mentioning before the show, it used to be the, th the word that shall not be spoken in direct marketing. And these days, we've all come to accept that it's important. And of course, maybe direct marketers have a different view of how crucial it is in the sales process. I've come to around to think that Branding creates credibility and authority and uniqueness, and, and that opens up a frame for the sales process in a way that almost nothing else can. What, what would you say to a person who just wants to understand what branding is, especially at the personal level? Yeah, well, I think that you know, personal branding really is about um, creating a distillation of who you are. We're talking about uh, there's a distinction between branding in general brand marketing and so on, and personal branding. And I think there, there is a distinction there. And when it comes to personal branding specifically, 
It's about being able to create or construct a distillation of yourself that other people can resonate with. So personal branding really is a way to simplify and magnify elements of yourself in a way that's designed to resonate with a certain kind of person that you're, that you're going after, right? So it's a construct. It's something that's meant to very rapidly create a response in people, to give them kind of a snapshot into who you are in a way that magnetizes them, that, that makes them feel like I really connect with this person on a, on a values level, on, on, you know, this is what I'm about. This is what I believe in. This is what I stand for. This is what I stand against, right? I really connect with this person. And so branding is really the process of constructing that sort of response um, from a market. That's good. And, you know, my, um, my definition, you know, my very looking on the outside in definition of branding for a long time has been maybe a distillation. I've never used that word before, but it's a great word of your relationship with your marketplace, which is kind of backward looking or present looking. Yours is future looking. And I really like that. Um, because you're you're talking about not only where you are but where you want to be. Do you have an example for yourself or for one of uh, your favorite clients that you could um, share with us so we can get a concrete idea of what this looks like? Well, I think that um, really, I think we were talking about this prior to the interview. It's not so much about you know, a specific kind of a, like we were talking about copywriters and direct response people creating a personal brand. Really anybody that is a solo person in a marketplace creates a personal brand. And that can be musicians, it can be television celebrities, actors, and so on, right? So anybody who's really created an image or something like that, that's very easy to relate to, um, I think would be a great example. Now, I think where a lot of this came from in our space, kind of the expert space, the um, direct response space really is from Jay Abraham. I think a lot of the origin of this strategy of preeminence is really where this became, you know, I guess, popularized for a lot of people in, in our space. So what Jay really talks about, and I think he embodies it. I think he's a great example. There's a lot of other people like him um, who, who embody this. Dan Kennedy's another but I think what they did was they, they, they realized that there was a way to position oneself as a trusted authority, as a fiduciary, as a, a word that Jay Abraham uses a lot, to be somebody that evokes a level of respect and trust and where somebody that you can take their advice. And there's a pro, you don't just become preeminent in a, in a day. There's, there's things that you do to create that kind of a perception from others. Probably the Robert Cialdini, you know, work on influence and persuasion, a lot of those kind of principles map over as well. So I think that anybody who's really using a lot of these preeminence, positioning, persuasion principles and can distill them in a way that's easily understood by other people rapidly, that they get it, um, is using this. And I think you can pretty much look around anywhere in the marketplace, people who have a strong message, people that maybe are a bit polarizing, right? They're really they stand against something or they stand really strongly for something. Those people are all using elements of, of personal branding. And I think any, almost anybody who's broken through at a high level of success uh, in this expert space and, and uh, you know, thought leader space really is executing a form of it to one degree or another. I think you see it everywhere if you look for it. Yeah. So um, I've always assumed that branding involved a slogan um, and 
The only slogan I can remember for Jay Abraham, and this is a long time ago, is the world's most expensive marketing consultant. And Dan Kennedy, the only slogan I associate with him is, you know, the no BS guy because of all his no BS books. But when I think of the person and I think of their influence, both on me and on the marketplace, it's, it's much bigger than that. Um, are you thinking that branding is more than a slogan and, and you know, what that um, echoes out in the marketplace or both the slogan, but also a presence and a, a positioning? Yeah, I mean, I honestly, I, a slogan never really even would occur to me when I think about a personal brand. That's great. I think what a personal brand is, a, is a, it's a person who is defined so well and so sharply that people instantly recognize it, right? So we're talking, there is a difference, as I mentioned at the top, between branding from, let's say, a corporate sense where it's your corporate logo and it's your colors and it's your look and, and it's your slogan. Personal branding is a different thing because you're the product essentially, right? So the idea is as, as sharply defined as you can be to pop and stand out in a crowded marketplace, those elements that cause you to stand out are, are essentially a composite of what your personal brand is. People can very quickly get what you're about, what your values are, what you stand for, and so on. And I think that's, from that standpoint, goes far beyond a slogan and really gets into the deeper elements of who you are and how humans really relate to other humans. And I, it, personal branding goes much, much deeper than slogans and logos and things like that. Okay, that's great. And I'm, I'm really glad that you helped me make that distinction of the difference between a corporate branding as we know it and personal branding, two very different things. Yeah. Also, are you familiar with Scott Adams' idea of the talent yeah. stack? Yes. <clears throat> because um, while I don't think it's nearly as sophisticated or uh, nuanced as what you're talking about, I mean, that that's an interesting idea. I mean, his talent stack was basically his way of apologizing to the world that he wasn't great at everything he did, yeah. right? He said, I'm good at this, good at this, good at this, good. But when you put them all together, you know, I have, you know, several hundred newspapers syndicating. And I get, and before he got in political trouble, he used to make a lot of money giving speeches and all, all of that stuff. What you are saying, it, it almost at a, you know, for a, a very physical metaphor, I would think of an amalgam, you know, uh, a, a number of different metals that come together um, to make a stronger metal with each individual element being one of uh, a person's qualities. Is that? Yeah. And I think that's, it's really, there, and there, and that's where we get into when I talk at the top about constructing this and designing it, it's really the process really looks like being able to identify those things inside of yourself that you want to call forth, right? There's elements of yourself that you want to magnify for the public and other parts that you'll, you'll want to kind of keep for yourself, right? So it, based on who you decide that you want to be in the market space, you can pull out elements of yourself and exaggerate those and create you know, a, a larger-than-life persona around those. And that's something I know Jay Abraham has also talked a lot about and other people have talked about is this kind of maven branding strategy. And the idea is that you'll use certain models and archetypes of people that are already in the marketplace and you'll borrow some of those. So a, a good example of that might be somebody like Lady Gaga, for example. Like when Lady Gaga broke onto the scene, 
it was pretty evident early on that she was borrowing heavily from Madonna. She had basically modeled herself after Madonna and, and a lot of her, the way she would dress and her fashion sense and the way she'd carry herself in public evoked aspects of that. And I think when we're, we're going to design a personal brand or a public persona, um, those elements are involved. We're looking to say, okay, who do I want to be here? What's going to make me stand out among other people in this market that I'm in? What will make me really different and unique? And so there's going to be aspects of myself that I'm going to want to exaggerate and I'm going to want to blow those up and make those, you know, bigger and, and more, you know, uh, primary colors as opposed to more complex colors, right? Big, bold, something that's easy to get and that stands out. And, um, you know, I think it, it is often an amalgam of a couple of different aspects put together in a unique way. So to, to go from the Scott Adams uh, reference that you used earlier, yeah, he basically triangulated three parts of himself and put them together in a unique way so that the whole, what he was putting out there was very unique. Even though he wasn't great in any one thing or didn't stand out in any one thing, it was the combination together that produces the, uh, you know, the difference. Yeah, and another thing about Scott Adams that's, I think, interesting is excellence was not the thing that got him over the threshold. It was the fact that so many people resonated with the satirical message he had about the idiocy of working in a cubicle the, in, in corporate life in late 20th century, early 21st century America, and no one else was really speaking to them, speaking for them, resonating with them. D does that um, track with the way you look at branding? And yeah, because there was something that what was unique about what Scott Adams did was he took you know, his background in, in, in business and he added this you know, humorous bent to it and put it in a cartoon format. So it was, the, it was people who were in business and can relate to like office life and so on were getting a different slant on it. He had his own paradigm or his own way of looking at it, his perspective. So it was the combination of an existing you know, set of you know, commonly understood ideas in the business market and then bringing in this satirical perspective and then doing it again in a cartoon form. There was nothing like it, but none of the individual elements were all that unique. You know. Okay, so how many of you would agree with me that Scott Adams doesn't like bosses very much? <laughs> I agree. <laughs> All right. So, you know, one thing that we talked about that comes a lot clearer now that I understand how you look at branding, Rocky, is personal development, you know, inner, inner work. I mean, certainly the 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 brain hack community and the pickup artist community all talk about inner game or inner work, but you talk about it too. And I think in a, a different way, and I, I think it, it makes sense based on, on what you're saying that you're taking aspects of yourself, um, internal aspects, maybe a, a curated select few putting them together in a very special way, but you're taking those inner aspects and blowing them up you know, exaggerating them, amplifying them, broadcasting them. Uh, if those aspects are being chewed by bull weevils, that's not going to be so good, right? And, and maybe that's the case for personal growth, inner work. Could you talk about that? Yeah, I mean, I don't really talk about um, the inner game of personal branding from the standpoint of personal growth. I, but well, what I do say is that there's elements of personal branding that have to come from within, okay? And the reason that I say this is, first of all, we're in a crowded marketplace. 
we're getting bombarded with messages, content, and so on every single day. And it's harder and harder to stand out. And the thing, the one thing that's the magic that makes a person resonate in the market with other people is charisma. There's a certain magnetism that people bring forth um, that just connects on this, you know, on this deep level, right? And, and in order to bring out this level of charisma, we have to get in touch with what makes us the most passionate. Passion itself releases charisma naturally without any effort. So you don't need to act or get yourself ginned up and get super enthusiastic in a fake wait, wait, wait. put, put on uh, way. Th- yeah. th- this is this is so important. And sure. I think this this is a, a new distinction for me, probably a new idea for a lot of our listeners. So a lot of people, especially in the I am, you know, internet marketing space, think that if they can drink enough coffee and take enough Adderall, then they're going to you know, have this manic energy that's going to be attractive. You're saying, no, no, don't, don't do that. Find out what's really important to you at a deeper level. And that'll put you on charisma autopilot. I'm oversimplifying as I am wont to do, but is that what you're saying? Absolutely. Yes. Because when, when we're truly in touch with, and I don't want to get woo-woo at all, and I'm not actually not a woo-woo First ones ever. But when we really do get in touch with like, what do I really care about? Who do I want to be in the world? Who do I want to serve? Why am I here? We get tapped into that vision and our sense of purpose. And what are we really passionate about? It, it, it comes out of us in a very authentic way. And that passion comes out and it connects with other people and they feel it and they resonate with that energy or whatever you want to, whatever you want to use to describe it. But there's mm-hmm. some kind of a magic that happens when that happens. And we release our natural, we're all naturally charismatic when we are coming from a really passionate place. And I think that there's an in- inner game process to understand that and unlock that. I th- think it really takes going through, you know, who am I? What is it that I really want? Who do I want to be? Who am I trying to reach? You know, et cetera. What's my personality like, right? Doing some deep dive analysis of kind of, you know, what, what are my personality traits? Like, what are my skill sets? What are my strengths? And by having some understanding of that, I think like Scott Adams did, you can, you can consciously then design the persona that you want to, be, to bring out into the public. But I think it all has to, it only works if it's authentic and, and that charisma is coming out. And I think you have to go through the work to unlock that. I mean, some people are naturally charismatic and they, they're in the right place at the right time and they just pop. They didn't have to think about it. But I think for a lot of people, we actually do have to go through a process of, of construction and, and really being conscious about thinking through how to make that happen. So that's why I start with the inner game. I think it's, I think it's essential. It's the building block for everything else. That makes sense. And you've guided a lot of people through that process, right? Yeah. Do you have a problem with Kindle books? I do. Sometimes I really just want to hold a book in my hand so I can turn the pages and highlight stuff and make notes. That's one reason I recently released the print version of my book, Breakthrough Copywriting. And listen to this. On Facebook, I've gotten pictures posted from around the world. Pictures of people holding their printed copy of Breakthrough Copywriting in their hands, including one from an A-list screenwriter and marketer in L.A.'s famous Topanga Canyon. He was reading the book in his hot tub. Breakthrough Copywriting is a great book for you, Whether you are a beginner or an A-lister yourself or anywhere in between, 
it costs a tiny, tiny fraction of my $5,000 a head seminar that the book is based on. So check out Breakthrough Copywriting on Amazon.com. Now, back to the show. So what stops people? What gets in the way? I mean, it, it seems like on the face of it, if you look at it kind of naively and optimistically, you know, everyone should just be in touch with what juices them and, and so that they, you know, get real enthusiastic and then they're real charismatic and the world is a happy place and all, everyone slept well. So it doesn't work that way though, right? What, what gets in the way? I just think people don't think about it. I really think there's not an awareness that that's where the, that that's where the secret is. I think a lot of people are, first of all, enamored with tactics and shiny objects and marketing strategies and messaging and so on. And it's just like they jump right to that. And that's what happens. They start producing content. They start trying to get themselves out there. And it doesn't resonate. It doesn't stick with anyone. And they wonder why there's crickets when they post things and they put up videos and nobody's really watching them or nobody's connecting with them, or it's not generating business for them. And I think they need to be aware that there's a whole other level that occurs before you go out and, and put all this stuff into the world, I, I think, it, it, which makes it a lot more effective. So that's why I always start with the inner game first. I think you've got to get clear on that, build those, put those building blocks in place, then go and execute the outer game strategy. Okay, so if I'm understanding you, what you're saying is there's not this huge resistance to it. You know, it's it's more like people don't even think about it. They don't know about it. I don't think so. And I think a lot of people also, you know, they copy, they're, they're copycats. They see other gurus acting a certain way and they think, okay, I've got to act like this. I've got to pose in front of a Lamborghini and I've got to go on a yacht and I've got to look like this because they, they, they see what is already quote unquote proven and works. So they're modeling, they're trying to take a shortcut. And I think that that's what a lot of people do as well. Uh, they think that's what I need to look like. That's what I need to sound like. This is how my copy needs to read. And in reality, it really doesn't start there. And I think you, you see that, you know, for every, every success story, there's <laughs> thousands and thousands of people that tried to model it and copycat it and, didn't, and it didn't work. You know, I'm glad you brought that up. That's one thing about the, I can call it the, NLP orthodoxy, the, the way a lot of people in the NLP community think. They, they think, well, you, you, just, you just do exactly what someone else did and you'll get exactly the same results they got. And we were talking about baking cakes, which is you know one of Nathan's many talents and skills. And I, I imagine if you put the flour and the sugar and water in, it's going to be different than if you put millet and um stevia and um pineapple juice in uh, that didn't work did it never mind um so so let's see what about copywriters i mean there are a lot of copywriters it's important to stand out i find always there's usually a handful of people who are doing well that you hear about now i know that there are some copywriters that are doing really well they don't want anyone to hear about they, they just very introverted and want the tax authorities to leave them alone, et cetera. Um, but is personal branding a good idea for a copywriter, not a good idea? And how would they know if it's a good idea or not? Yeah, I think, and I know we talked about this prior, and I think it was, it's a fascinating subject. And, you know, I don't think that it's necessary 
for copywriters to, to go into personal branding. Personally, I think it is. There's always going to be a place for that, you know, Mel Martin, <laughs> what a, like who nobody ever saw, nobody knew, who's just like a secret weapon. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there's always going to be a place for that. That person's always going to get referred and they can live this quiet life and nobody ever knows about them, right? I think, so I don't think it's necessary as a copywriter to go into this personal branding area unless you really resonate with it and, and you like that. Um, I also think that it's primarily going to be for those copywriters who want to eventually move away from doing the work themselves to starting to sell their expertise. So they're going to want to evolve into something else, more of a consulting role and so on. Um, and I think that's primarily who it's for. However, if you are a copywriter, I mean, you this you can't lose by by going down this route. It's enormously helpful if you can find ways to tap into your authority, to create trust, become a preeminent copywriter. I mean, by being able to position yourself properly through personal branding, and you can elevate your pricing, your status, you know, and, and it can open up many, many doors for you. So I do think that there are great benefits to doing it. But I don't think that it's necessary. I think there's always going to be those great people that, you know, are going to do very, very well, and nobody knows who they are. So you got to be true to yourself, I think, in this case. Okay, that's fair, and that's probably a weight off the shoulders of a lot of people. Who said, hey, "This is interesting. I don't really want to do it." What kind of individuals really should look into personal branding or extending the brand they already have? Yeah, I think it is those people who who have a vision for for something bigger, who want to go further, and they have a vision maybe to start generalizing up. So, and that's what typically experts do. They start in a niche, they achieve success in that, and then they start generalizing up. So it might be, you know, you're an expert on Facebook advertising, and then you get success in that, and then it becomes you're an expert on direct response advertising, and then it becomes you're a marketing expert, then a business expert, (laughs) then a life expert, right? That's typically the path that generalizing up takes. And I think if you're one of those people that sees yourself like, I'm a great copywriter, I'm really good at this, but I'd love to be positioned as one of, you know, these seven or eight figure guru type people. And how do I do that over time? How do I take what I've learned in copy and sort of build a community around myself? I want to be that person who's the star, the, the celebrity. I want to create products, programs, you know, et cetera, be a speaker, an author. If you want to become that kind of a person, um, you want to become the Jay Abraham, you want to become Dan Kennedy, right? Or even Bob Bly, who I know that we've mentioned, who built a whole cottage industry around all sorts of products and things that he created. If you want to go that direction and build a wider, I think that's where to go, you know? Bob has done a great job um, branding himself without really becoming a celebrity, now, quite on purpose, you know? I mean, he's, he's quite a force and he's, he's very well respected, but, you know, he'd rather spend 12 hours a day in his office working and he says so publicly and he, he's not conflicted about it and it works for him and he puts out a lot of books and he's copywriter of the year and all that. And yeah, so that's really good distinction. So with the few minutes we have left, tell us about um, your Power Persona group on Facebook, which I'm a member of and which I want to thank you again for interviewing me in. Tell me about it and how people can get in and what's for. Yeah, the Power Persona Project is really built around this idea that, you know, for people who want to become, uh, who make their living, build a great business and a great life around what they love, around their personality, their knowledge, their expertise, and so on, that you know, we live in a social age. There's really no choice anymore to be, but to become a public figure. 
And the people that do succeed at becoming a successful public figure, you know, they build very large followings. They can build very successful businesses and make a real impact in the world and live a great life. And the group really focuses around some of the ideas that we talked about today, the inner game of being able to get clear on who you really are, who you really want to become, and consciously designing that. And then the outer game part of that is how do you turn that into a strategy, positioning, a monetization model, and a business that really, you know, really resonates with you and really gives you the life that you want. So the Power Persona Project is really about, you know, those broad topics. And then within that, you know, we offer all sorts of different things, interviews with experts and <laughs> great content, great conversation, and also, you know, products and programs inside of the group as well, including Plat- Platinum Path, which you mentioned at the top. Yeah. Okay. So um, we're putting a link in the show notes, but if someone doesn't want to look at the show notes, Nathan, I've heard that 3% of our listeners don't look at the show notes. And we'll be going to do about that. So, um, uh, it, you would just go to facebook.com forward slash power persona, right? No, it's facebook.com slash groups slash power persona, or I have the URL. So you could just go to power com, and it will forward right to the group. Okay. Well, that's the easiest one to remember. PowerPersonaProject.com. Cool. Rocky, thank you. This has been excellent interview. Nathan, you've been so silent. I, I guess you're just taking it in or I was trying your to, tongue. Yeah, I was trying to absorb most of this. I did have one question, if you don't mind, sure. David. No, not at all. So you mentioned Dan Kennedy. Uh, one of my favorite copywriters is Ben Settle. We have, and they're definitely guys that have built a personal brand by planting flags and, and, um, stating what their personal values are nowadays though, with cancel culture being such a huge thing where if you say something that's not a hundred percent in line with what the PC culture wants you to say, uh, being attacked, is that something that people should take into consideration when developing their personal brand? Because I think a lot of stuff that I learned from Dan Kennedy maybe 10, 15 years ago. You can't really say publicly nowadays. Yeah, I actually, I actually think that that's, that that's a strength. And this was something I know when we were, we were talking before the interview about some maybe possible tangents we could go down. I'm very, very of, of the belief that... I wasn't a good sentence, by the way. I'm very of the belief. <laughs> but I'm very... I'm very focused on where I think the future of personal branding is going. And I really believe that, that contrary to what I mentioned at the top about branding being a distillation, I think that the future is really going to be more all-inclusive in branding. I think that people want to know more about you. I think they want to know more about your family, your personal life, your interest outside of the scope of what your brand is. They want to get to know you in full. And I believe that personal branding is going to trend in this more all-inclusive way where people want to know your values and so on. And I really do think there's a place for brand polarization. I think there's a place for if you do have strong beliefs and take a strong stand on certain things, that's something to actually lean into, not shy away from. Because I think there's going to be people who are going to resonate with that. And I think those are going to be people who are going to love you even more. You're going to turn a lot of people off, but that's not necessarily a bad thing. You're going to want those you know, thousand true fans that just dial in completely to you and they're going to believe in you even more. So I, I actually believe that, you know, we're going to need to open the kimono even more about ourselves and share more about ourselves 
than we normally would. I think people want to know that. And I think those values and beliefs, you know, the idea is we want people that truly, truly love us and they're energized by us, right? We, we don't want lukewarm people. We want them to either love or hate. And I think that's actually a good thing when it comes to branding. So to speak to your point about, you know, planting flags, I think planting more flags now is going to be the, the right trend of where to go in branding. Personally, that's just my theory, but I, that's, that's what I'm sticking to. And I'm trying to figure out ways for myself to, to lean more into that as well. So hope that makes sense. Yeah. I mean, you don't, I, I should let Nathan respond and I will in a second, but you don't seem like a particularly controversial figure, but you have pretty strongly held opinions, and that's for sure. Yeah, I think there's a way to do it in a nice way, but I think there are, are always going to be some people, if you say a certain word or you think a certain thought, you're, you're done forever. They're never going to look at you again. And I think that's, that's the reality of the situation, but I think there's a way to flip that into a strength. Well, here's an interesting question. Do you think Jimmy Carter could have gotten elected today? And I'm not asking for the reason you think. I, I don't think he could have gotten the Democratic nomination <laughs> today. <laughs> I think he couldn't either because he was a peanut farmer and people might require, especially people with peanut energies, allergies, they might consider it a microaggression when you use the word peanut. And they might require a trigger warning every time his past was mentioned. Oh my God. All right. There you go. <laughs> okay. Uh, we're going to end the episode with that. Rocky, one more time, where can people go if they want to check out uh, or join your Facebook group? Go to powerpersonaproject.com. Powerpersonaproject.com. Yep. And David, if people want to check out more episodes of the podcast, where's the best place to go? They should go to copywriterspodcast.com. All right. Thank you both, man. This has been an interesting conversation and maybe went down a couple of rabbit trails as well. Uh, I appreciate you both though, for putting it together. Thank you, Rocky. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Until next time, we will catch you later. See you later. Hey, if you enjoyed today's podcast, be sure to subscribe rate and review on your favorite podcast app so we can get into ears of more listeners. Thank you. This is the Copy and Funnels Podcast Network.